by capturing or killing its leader. Locate and recover a pair of computer hard drives. And, most challenging of all, locate and extract a captured U.S. operative. Alive. Even with all his emotions iced for flight, that last task left a knot in Alan's gut. It was hard enough getting a team into a secure facility, but to do so undetected, before some zealous insurgent could run back to a holding cell and put a bullet in the head of his captive, was next to impossible. The team had haloed in shortly after moonset, and had spent the last three hours making their approach on foot and in silence. The closer they got, the more dangerous it was. If they were detected even thirty seconds before they were in position, all that planning and preparation would be for nothing. Alan circled twenty kilometers from the LZ, ready to throttle up at the first sign of trouble, but otherwise content to patrol the night sky, where the roar of his engines wouldn't alert enemy sentries, until Barry Regis called him in. In the Air Force, he might have flown strike missions, fly out, drop your ordnance, and fly back on schedule. But that was not how the Marines worked. Alan was flying tactical close air support, like the taxi rank Typhoons and Tempests called in to deal with stubborn Nazi armor at the end of World War II. You got close to the combat zone and waited for the call. It made Alan feel a little like one of the black buzzards back home in the sky above the woods of North Carolina, drifting aimlessly until the scent of death brought it swooping down. Regis's voice came in over the radio. Black Eagle, you there? Copy that, Rattlesnake said Alan. What's your status? Five hundred meters southwest of the facility. Still undetected. Insertion teams are performing final weapons checks. Closing in two mics. Roger that, Rattlesnake, said Alan. Be right there. So saying, he tipped the Harrier hard to the port and squeezed the throttle, feeling the pressure on his head and chest as the plane leapt forward. As he re-entered level flight, Alan flicked on his fire control station and scrolled through the available munitions. The Harrier Mark II, as well as being unique in the Marine Air Force in its short takeoff and vertical landing capacity, could be armed with bombs, missiles, and guns suited for a variety of targets in the air, on the ground, or in water, and could rain down all manner of hurt on anyone unfortunate enough to find themselves in the pilot's sights but you didn't carry bombs if you were going into a dogfight, and you didn't carry air-to-air missiles when there was no possibility of running into enemy air power. Civilians thought the Harrier, also capable of vertical takeoff, could also hover, hanging in place like a helicopter gunship over the battlefield. But it couldn't. You got in, high at that speed, and then you got out. Alan checked his navigation display. It was a moonless night. He was flying entirely on instruments, so that though he could sense the motion of the plane, it was weirdly directionless, something like being in an elevator. Intellectually, you know what's going on, and your body knows something is happening. But a part of you is still very slightly surprised when the door is open and you're on a different floor. Sometimes pilots flying in dense cloud cover or darkness emerged upside down, their senses baffled by the strange combination of solitude and sensory deprivation.
which is why you don't rely on your eyes when you have state-of-the-art computer systems to tell you when you're upside down. Old pilots romanticized the glory days of propellers and non-fly-by-wire mechanical controls and peering around to see if anything was about to blow you out of the sky. But Alan would take his APG-65 radar, his forward-looking infrared sensors, and his ANAAQ-28V lightning targeting pod. Thanks very much. He doubted he would need them tonight. When the Marsoc team was done, they were to be reclaimed, with their recovered human and technological assets, by four Nighthawks, two of which were MH-60L DAP models, packing the firepower of a battleship. The rebel position, base was too grand a term, was a huddle of cinder block and mud brick buildings nestled on a mountain slope so steep it was nearly a cliff face. There was a warren of tunnels and caves beneath the buildings.